We are talking about bread. <gasps> bread is probably the one thing on this planet that I should not be eating because I have celiac disease and bread has gluten. But then I'm also sitting here thinking, but there's so many gluten-free bread options. Uh-huh. And Jesus is using that visual example of him as bread. And it's like there are so many different ways for each of us to live out our lives for Christ. listening to if that makes sense it's family life's podcast about what life is like following jesus as a young adult my name is tim i work in the radio at family life my name is becky i also work in the radio family life my name is robbie and i work at family life's performing arts hey obviously it's been a little bit since we've released an episode yes i had a child my wife and i had our second baby yay so yay delight and also delight to be back here in the book of john and I feel like we're going at the slow pace, but it's just because it's so dense, every chapter. You know what? And sometimes I like reading at a slow pace. Mm-hmm. It's it's taken me three years to get through the Bible, and I'm almost done with it, but I've been able to take my time with it. Good for you. Doing it like, yeah, when it's dense, when it's heavy, you're still going through all the parts. Yep. That's good. Yep. We're looking at John 6, uh, verses 25 through 42. <laughs> Becky, you want to start us off in verse 25 of chapter 6? Of course. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give us that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Hmm. Do you hear any part of yourself in the crowd? That's not a leading question. You can Mm. be like, no, I don't relate to that. Mm. But I'm wondering... Do we hear any of us 
in how they respond to Jesus. What must we do to do the work God requires? And I'm like, oh, I feel that because hmm. it's a doing and I'm an action hmm. person and I need, I need to do mm. something. So like, oh, what do we have to do? Mm-hmm. So good. yes, I can relate to the crowd being like, okay, well, you just told me this. Now what do I have to do to do it? Yeah, um, I read something looking at a commentary on, on this and it was about that, Becky, that the, and then Jesus compares their question to uh, Egypt versus manna. And uh, verses 32 and 33, Jesus is responding to them. Because, um, oh, okay, oh, wait, no, no, no. They say, um, uh, no, no, what must we be doing? Yeah. What must we be doing to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, believe in the one God sent. They say, well, then what's your sign? What work do you do? Like, if that's all we have to do, if all we have to do is believe in you, then give us a sign. And then there's this comparison of manna uh, that that Moses was given to give to the people to eat in the wilderness. The comparison I saw was like Egypt is is relying on the bread of whatever else, your own effort or or what you could eke out, what you can do on your own. And manna is recognizing that anything you need, anything you have, all that your sustenance is, has to come from God. It has mm. to flow down from him. You're totally powerless. Mm. Um, I thought that was a kind of neat comparison that pairs with what you're saying about asking, what do I need to do? Okay, what do I do? What What's my action? What's my action to be in right standing? Believe. Believe. <laughs> yeah. Believe. And there's going to be action that goes along with that, but it's definitely going to be a different mindset than thinking about working and churning it out on your own. Well, and it's interesting to hear you talk about the Egypt versus, you know, or working it out for yourself. Because I'm thinking like in the culture that I live in here in America, I, I don't often have much of a need to rely on him. Like even uh-huh. from the standpoint of food, I don't grow my own food. I mean, I do in the summer for fun, but like I go to the grocery store, right? And that's, they have these cute little neatly packaged meats that I just, I didn't raise an animal or slaughter. I just, there it is. And there's the grocery and it's always there. And I have a job that just gives me money and that provides for what I need. And I infrequently find myself in a place of, okay, I need you. I need you. So in my mind, sometimes in my culture, I'm more in that Egyptian mindset of like, oh yeah, well, I, I got it covered. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. It's provided it's, by. It's already there. Yeah, everything I need is already here. And not in an already here. Like I provide. I, I wait on God even if I can't see it. Right. It's a. Oh, it's a given. It's already there. Right. The powers of of things that be have mm-hmm. already provided that for me. I don't need to rely on faith. It's. Yeah. I I can rely on it as a given that mm-hmm. the material will be there. Yeah. I like the your drawing that difference between Egypt and doing it themselves and um, the manna and going to get the manna and God providing the manna. Because when I was reading this, it stuck out to me. It got questioning and I'm like, what if my, if the job is or the work is to believe in the one he sent, well, what do I believe? And why do I believe that? And where Mm. do I find that information? And then he follows it up with the manna and um, Egypt in that explanation. And then he, going a little bit further, he, he Jesus states, I am the bread of life. It's like, okay, 
if my job is to believe and we're using and he's using that analogy of the manna, well, the Israelites had to go get manna each day. And if they were greedy and took extra, then by the next day it was spoiled. Or if they didn't take enough, then they went hungry. And I got thinking about that. I'm like, okay, if my job is to believe in the one he sent, yes, I have placed my trust in him. Yes, I have. Yes, I am saved. That is secure. But it it seems to me that this is a daily moment by moment thing. And it's like, okay, how how am I doing in that? You know, how am I doing that and how am I doing that? Because to be honest, the Bible reading thing hasn't been a thing that I prioritize lately. So for me, I've recently been reminded and convicted that, wait, I need to be in God's word because I need to be learning. But am I just doing it to check a box off or am I doing it because I'm learning about the one I believe in? And then the one I believe in is the bread of life. Well, you need bread to have energy and survive throughout the day. So if I'm not replenishing my soul and replenishing myself spiritually, then I'm just like the Egyptians and feel like I have it all covered where I should be like the Israelites and going to get the manna each day. And that, you know, you're talking about the spiritual side of it. That reminds me of the physical side of it, maybe in a slightly humorous way, because around here there's events, there's food, a lot of time there's leftovers. And so I will (laughs) just stock up on leftovers because I love my leftovers and I survive on leftovers and I get all these little containers And so many times it just goes bad because it's just me at my home, you know, and I'm like, how silly that in that moment I was like, free food, I must get as much of it as I can because I don't know when else I'll be able to eat. And I guess, I don't know if it's just this natural whatever that we have to collect food. Right. But I, you read a story like that and you're like, oh, that's so silly. Why would they get more than they need? And it's like. I do the same thing. Here I just am talking about my modern American culture where I can get whatever I want. And we still do it. And yet I'm the one that piles up on leftovers and then they spoil. And I'm like, you know what? How many other times conversely have I seen where I've chosen to share my resources like, oh, these people are coming over for dinner and this other person is coming and now there's more people than I was planning on. But you know what? It's okay. I'm not going to worry about it. And I'm going to provide for them what, what I have. And then the next day you get invited to go somewhere for dinner. It's like how many little silly, even physical, because you, of course you have the spiritual side, which is more important. And then for me, it's that reminder of, oh, well, this is literally physically true too, that he's going to, pro- he is going to provide for my needs. I don't have to be a little hoarder when it comes to money or <laughs> leftovers. Like if I'm generous, he's going to, he's going to take care of me. Hmm. And the reason why you're hoarding too is interesting because For me, leftovers at work are pretty well pointless because I have a few food allergies. So it's like, okay, that's great that it's there, but I'm not going to eat that because it's going to make me very sick very quickly. But at the same time, it's like, oh, well, what food I do have that I can eat, I have to protect and I have to hoard because if there's not enough, well, you guys can just go get fast food or you guys can just do this or you guys will have enough. And it's like, then it goes bad. Because I'm not, it's still too much for me and I'm not eating it, but I'm also not willing to share it. And it's like, oh, well, why am I hoarding it? Or why am I treating it as something different when, like you said, Robbie, if I just am gracious and giving with it, the Lord provides. I've Hmm. seen that over and over again. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I can choose to get stuck in the rut of, oh, it's not enough. Hmm. (laughs) Sharing is hard. Yeah. (laughs)
I think everything we're saying and everything that this passage sticks out to me as being about comes back to Jesus is enough. Yep. Mm. Jesus is, that's why it's bread, because that's like the universal staple of it fills you, you can keep going through the desert for another day because you have bread. Right. And everything we're saying is about do I have enough? Will I have enough? Do I have what I need? And we've each shared some kind of almost humorous, but just like bare bones, practical ways that this has made it into our lives with our food, which are things God knows that we need. Jesus affirms that. For me, very recently, this is like, this is a present thing. I just this week shocked, uh, did the chlorine shocking of my well. Um, and like a, like a, uh, it's a, a private well. And so you do that every now and then. And in my case, it was long overdue. So having shocked a well, though, you can't drink out of it for a certain amount of time until you've gotten all the chlorine out of your water because you don't want to be sipping on that chlorine. And, <laughs> and um, it like just the, because the process took me longer than it should have, the two or three days of not no of of not being able to like use your regular water for regular things enormously stressful and and not just stressful when it thinks when i'm thinking about things about water i'm just stressed about everything because this normal thing that i rely upon is out of balance mm-hmm. so now my conversations have more anxiety in them a little bit more of a of an edge it'll take less to get me on edge in these conversations because my sustainability has been upset. That basic need has is not is feeling like it's not met. So I feel threatened. So now it's spilling out into everything else. And this can this is like we're talking about food, we're talking about water here. Basic things. But what about when we don't have Christ? When we don't have and and this isn't just like if you're not saved. I mean like even you who may be a saved person is not drawing upon him as your daily manna then everything threatens you and everything puts you on edge because you don't know where your next minute is coming from. You don't know where your next bit of energy to get through whatever is in front of you is coming from. And everything threatens you. And then your response to everything is bad. And it's this, it's this awful cycle. When I come back to seeing, Jesus is the bread God supplied from heaven for everything. And I think that bounces full circle back to where you started. Like, yeah, it's important for me to be taking in the literal word of God every day so that I'm realizing that he is the one that is my whatever, fill in the blank, my strength, my comfort, my my health, my whatever. Like, he's the one that's going to be getting me through. Yep. Uh, so what I think is really fascinating here is that they say, well, where where do they say it? Let me find it. Isn't it so hard to find stuff? Especially when you're like, oh, it's my turn to find a thing. I know. It's Um, brutal. Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, they say, which, oh, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So I've got this little footnote that tells me where they're quoting this from because it's from the Old Testament. Yeah. Because in this particular moment, there is no New Testament. Yeah. They're they're just living. The book of John hasn't been written because... It, we're in it. the book of John. So they're referencing back to, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those books of Moses. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
So obviously that's a story in Exodus that we've referenced, but they're also referencing it's in Nehemiah where it says he gave them the bread from heaven and it's in Psalm 78. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And in both of those contexts, because I went back and looked at them, this is why it's like the Bible is crazy because every little piece relates to every other piece and you can go forward and backward and see how it all, which is why it's so exciting. So both Nehemiah and Psalms are retellings of the whole story of God from he's the one that made the world to he chose Abraham to Abraham's family to them being in Egypt to them leaving Egypt to the manna in the desert after leaving Egypt. So this whole psalm and in Nehemiah, they're building the wall and they're like, we need some encouragement. Crack out the law and let's read it. So Ezra is like, yeah, let's read it. And they read the law and then the Levites basically in praise of God, retell this whole story. And what's so interesting in both of these contexts, in the psalm and in Nehemiah, the conclusion they come to is that even though the people saw the manna provided, they still didn't trust God. Whoa. And now here you are and they're bringing up, hey, you know, God provided the manna. And you have the literal bread of heaven who's standing in front of him, and they're quoting his own book in his face, like, well, God provided the manna from heaven. And Jesus is about to, in the next couple of verses, quote from one of his favorite books. Because if you look, Jesus quotes from Psalms, and he quotes from uh, Isaiah the most. Those are his most quoted books, Psalms and Isaiah. So he's about to quote from his favorite book and throw it back in their faces, basically saying, yeah, that's me. I'm the one. And now you're still not believing me much in the same way that you didn't believe even after you saw the literal bread. Now you're throwing that passage at me and I'm going to throw this passage at you that says, and you don't believe in me even though you could eat me because I'm right here, but you're not going to eat me. So let me see if I've got it. They They are quoting a passage in an argument with Jesus. Yeah. Which really argues for Jesus' point. Totally, 100%. They're quoting a passage that if they followed it to its end, yep. the, the passage would conclude, and the people saying this don't know what they're talking about because they're missing it. And you can look back at Nehemiah and Psalms and you'll see Whoa. that. That's amazing. That's so cool. That's a God being a good author moment. Yeah, everywhere. Man, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. Let's talk about them, uh, like, refusing to accept Jesus. This is a thought that came to me. They give every reason why not to accept Jesus. When he's standing in front of them with every reason to accept him as God's Savior, except for the fact that it's just going to be hard to, like, live his way, to do his thing. But like every, they're, they're coming up with all these reasons, all these excuses why not to believe. Well, let's see a sign. Go a couple verses earlier. They just witnessed miraculous signs, mm-hmm. specifically having to do with bread. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, right. we've heard about that. bread miracles before. Maybe if we like, I don't know, saw a bread miracle, we might believe in you. He doesn't even say like, guys, don't you remember the bread miracle? He lets that go because he's like, that's not the point. It's not that they need to see another miracle. Their hearts are hardened. But they're giving every reason like, well, maybe it's this. Maybe even down to the fact that they say, yeah, I don't know. Don't we like know your parents? Like you're nothing special. We we know who you are. <laughs> Some of us grew up with you. Like 
really? We're supposed to we're supposed to believe all this about you? Mm-hmm. And that's an area where I'm thinking, even if I've accepted Jesus as my savior, there are these little moments all the time where I find reasons not to enter into what Jesus invites me to. Like, yeah, well, but like, maybe I need like a really clear sign that you want me to like do what's in the Bible. Like that, that seems pretty hard. Maybe like if you want me to be radical about it, I need like a clear sign, God. Or I don't know, but you know, apply it to yourself. But I'm just thinking the human nature of coming up with reasons why, why we might not have to do the obvious good thing that's in front of us. Yeah, well, I even I even make excuses for myself too, in in things like that, like oh, I should I should invite this person over to the brunch that we're gonna have. Oh, but but they're not gonna want to come, and that's probably gonna make them feel uncomfortable. There you and, go. and they're not don't they do don't it. know anybody anyway. <laughs> and I'm not gonna. Well, I decided in this particular instance. You know what? I'm just gonna do it anyway and let them decide. And you know what they said? They were like. That sounds so awesome. That sounds like so much fun. And they came and they had a great time. And I, Look at that. I almost did didn't invite them because I had this whole list of <laughs> excuses. And it's like none of those excuses. I, I made them all up. This person didn't have any of these reasons to not come. Yeah. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I almost want to find a way to have like some sort of visual reminder of a mustard seed Mm. because all this gets me thinking I'm like okay just like you guys both I come up with all these reasons or excuses why I can't do it or I shouldn't do it or it's not going to work out or this that and it's like it can be the simplest thing that the Lord is presenting me with of hey do this Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. he gives me that I ask for a clear answer he gives me a clear answer oh but it's not quite clear enough because of x y and z yeah and it's like he says right in his word if I have faith as small as a mustard seed I can move one mountain to another and it's like what if I just applied that faith to the simple things that he's asking me to do Mm -hmm. and somehow interrupt that thought pattern of all of my reasonings of why it can't happen and all my worries of why it can't happen. And it's like, oh, if I just like take a step back and take myself and my worries out of the picture and just have that small faith, yeah, then God can do amazing things with it. He can have somebody come right. to your house, Robbie, and thoroughly right. enjoy it. And it's like, oh, well, I almost didn't do that. And now that seems silly that I'm on that side of it. And it's just, it's like, oh, how can I interrupt myself mm-hmm. when I get spiraling on that thought pattern to be like, oh, wait, just just do what you're asked and let God take care of the results. And, and I've mm. found that oftentimes when we are faithful in the things that are small, like that little mustard seed, like, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm just, it doesn't matter if I invite this person to brunch or not. Like, what does that matter in the grand scheme? Or what does it matter in the grand scheme if I find out that, oh, my sister's sick. Maybe I should drop some soup off. But I can't do that because it'd be nicer if I went in. But I don't have time to go in. But my brother-in-law is probably going to be allergic to it anyway. So I probably shouldn't. But And I should probably... <sighs> so many reasons. <laughs> you know? And then I do it anyway. And, and I find out that it was such a blessing and he could eat and all these things. And I've found that when I'm faithful in the tiny little whispers... Then you wind up hearing those whispers more and more, and then you you start to see the bigger picture of what these little whispers are becoming. I've tried to yeah. come up with a new policy for myself, and I came up with it this day that I found out, oh, look, brunch was a good idea. I was like, you know what? I'm going to – new policy for myself. Every time I have a good idea that's, you know, wholesome and holy and good, I'm just going to do it. 
Like, mm. I'm just going to do it because I've I have so many examples of where it turns out well mm. and where it turns out good when you're afraid it's not going to. So it's like, you know what? And if, if and if it goes poorly, your heart was in the right spot. That's it. So you know what? What's you, the worst? You did what, it anyway. What did you lose? Right. What did you lose? Even when there have been times where I've thought like, you know, I'm not even going to give a specific example. Just fill it in in your own head. Um, what if I gave or did sacrificed X, Y, Z for God? The 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 argument against that in my head becomes, well, I don't know, like that'd be hard to give that thing up. And and what if I didn't need to? Like, what if it's not really God prompting me to give that up? What if I don't need to and I gave it up for nothing? Mm -hmm. Then the prompt came back to me. It was like, gave it up for nothing. If you give it up for God, even if you quote, quote, didn't need to, Mm -hmm. you really don't think he's going to find a way to make that worth it. Or you don't think that he's worth it even if you did give it up for nothing. Even if you gave up something for nothing, is God not worth that? Of course he is. Like, is your life going to be any worse off because you gave up something for Jesus that you didn't need to? What? Because he's not going to doesn't waste. even make sense if I really stop and think about yeah, he it. He doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste anything. And, you know, if you hear that and you're tempted to, to go down a bunch of directions that make you feel really anxious, like, oh, maybe I have to give up everything, then... And that's not what he wants for you if it's if it's spawning that in you. But if it gives you a sense of freedom of, oh, this thing I thought I had to hold on to, I don't need to be protective of that anymore because God's going to be good whether I have that thing or not. Then, then take that as like this little thing that you can, we, I, can see Jesus is the bread. If I have him, I've got what I need. It's not here, but it's in a later place or in another place where Jesus says, my food is to do the will mm. of him who sent me. Mm-hmm. And like the disciples are at that moment freaking out about bread. Again, it's bread. It's always bread. Because bread is like, again, a symbol of what we need. And Jesus just says, I have what I need. It's knowing I'm on the right track. It's knowing I'm in right relationship with my father because of my commitment to him. My life lived for him. I've got what I need. It's going gonna, it's gonna to shake out. It's going to be fine. We're, and, and that's not a direct translation by any means. But my heart is with the Lord, and I can't go wrong from that place. And start and with I'm, the little things. Yeah. Start with the little things. And I'm loving that he uses bread as an example because I'm sitting here thinking, we are talking about bread. Bread <gasps> is probably the one thing on this planet that I should not be eating because I have celiac disease, and bread has gluten. But then I'm also sitting here thinking, but there's so many gluten-free bread options. Uh-huh. Like there are so many different ingredients that you can use to make bread. And I got I'm like, okay, bread is a something that we need every day to sustain us and to be healthy people. And Jesus is using that visual example of him as bread. And it's like there are so many different ways for each of us to live out our lives for Christ. So Sometimes when we get down those rabbit trails of, oh, I shouldn't do this because of this, or, oh, I need to start with the little things, it's easy to start comparing of like, well, well, how do I do that? You know, how do I do that? Because Tim, you do it this way, but Robbie, you do it this way. And well, which one of you am I supposed to follow? Because you both do it very differently. Mm. Well, the end result is the same. You're both following Jesus and pursuing Jesus and Jesus is enough for you 
just like Jesus is enough for me is going to look very different than the person who's listening right now. And it's like, oh, there are so many different a ways you can make bread and so hmm. many different ingredients that can go into bread so that everybody can have bread. And it's just my mind is still forming that hmm. thought, but it's just like, oh, the Lord is enough in so many different ways to each one of us and just cool. the way we need it. That's really cool. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. It is not for any one of us to look at the path another person takes to Jesus, you know, a path to Jesus specifically. Um, th- that is how God has called them to to come to him. And anybody who says, I found that I need Jesus, then that's somebody who he's called. That's somebody who the father gave to Jesus because they realize he's their bread. That doesn't matter how they get to that point. I love, Becky, that you did not let the irony escape of mm-hmm. you literally like having this entire metaphor be like, yeah, I can't use that in my life. But I can because there's a lot of different ways you can make bread. Yeah. But it's bread we're talking about. He is the answer. But he calls each of us in a personal way to find him as our sustenance, as our bread. And going off of that thought, Tim, I can't wait until we get to heaven and we're all gathered together because right now in my humanness, it can be so hard to sit with a group of believers and not start casting judgment. It's like, oh, well, I start comparing or casting judgment of, oh, well, you came to Jesus and you have so much better and cooler of a story than I do. Or, oh, you came to Jesus and you're a third generation Christian family, so you grew up with it. And so you have all of this knowledge that I don't have. And, oh, I'm just sitting here somewhere in the middle. It's like, no, God uses each one of those parts in our lives. And we're all so unique and so different that he somehow unites us all and uses all of that. And I'm like, I cannot wait until I get to heaven and the sinful part of me is Mm. removed and I no longer have to struggle with sitting there and being like, oh, wait, we all came to Jesus. We're all super important. We're all one body. We're all one family. And in heaven, I won't have those distractions. I'll just get to enjoy the simple fact that Jesus is enough for all of us. And I'll get to hear everybody's stories and just, I just can't wait. Thank you for joining us for If That Makes Sense, the family life podcast about what life is really like as a young adult following Jesus. If you enjoy the show, please send it to a friend. Your genuine appreciation of the show is the best way for word to get out. And it would make our day if you left us a rating and a review wherever you found this episode. Family Life has more great original podcasts that you can check out at familylife.org slash podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you along for the next one.